0: Hello and welcome to the Football
2: Social Daily Champions League final review podcast. The morning after the big, big night before. And what a night for Chelsea fans. It is Chelsea who are European champions as Thomas Tuchel's side reigned supreme in Porto. 1-0 winners in the final as Pep Guardiola's side wait for another year to clinch a European title as his record at City stretches on for at least another 12 months. Heartbreak for City, but jubilation for Chelsea. And on today's special podcast, we're going to be picking the bones out of a big, big, big night in Portugal. My name's Fergal Brennan, and joining me, we have one happy blue and one very, very sad blue. For Chelsea, we have Jay Tomlins from the Backpost podcast and YouTube channel. Jay, I imagine you're absolutely on top of the world this morning. How are you doing?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't lie, I'm a little bit hungover, but other than that, I'm doing really well. When you just we were champions, then I didn't quite believe what you just said. I still, it still hasn't properly sunk in, to be honest. I
2: think that's acceptable. But as one man wins, another man loses, and we also have the slightly delicate Manchester City fan Adam Keyworth joining us. Adam, how are you doing?
1: Um, just massively regretting saying I'd do this. Um,
2: that's the spirit. <laughs>
1: which, which is no, it's. we'll we'll get into it but it just feels weird you don't plan none of your plans revolve around losing and then when you do it's like oh what do we do now like this, this was not this was not in anyone's plans for last night so yeah it's it's a it's a tough morning the sun's out but i don't feel very very perky this morning
2: Well Adam we'll give you a minute to kind of get yourself together because in reality the focus Jay is obviously on Chelsea as I say crowned European champions first Champions League winnings winners medal for the players since 2012 and it it was a massive night there's no understating it I know we feel like we're still kind of building back towards normality in football obviously there was a staggered return to fans in Porto there's some lucky thousands of Chelsea fans who were able to to get out there and watch the game but Ultimately from myself from a neutral perspective you're watching this and you're expecting a a tactical battle between Pepin and and Thomas Tuchel and we know that Tuchel has got the better of him in the FA Cup in the Premier League and and now in the Champions League and it's a hell of a record considering he's only been in the job for six months, but we'll talk about Pepin and the decisions that he made with with Adam in a minute when he when he gets himself together, but from a Chelsea perspective, where was this game won for Tuchel? It wasn't a classic in terms of finals, three shots on target across the entire game. It wasn't a free-flowing, attacking goal fest, uh, although finals never tend to be. But tactically, Thomas Tuchel got it absolutely perfect.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Tuchel deserves a lot of credit for this win. Um, he, I think the game was won in the defence. Um, he set up the defence perfectly and and the way those defenders tackled that game, they had so much heart, they had so much passion. Uh, Like you could talk about Reece James, you could talk about Azpilicueta. Every time a ball was coming near them, it was being cleared, last ditch, slide tackles, blocks, all that kind of stuff. It was just real heart on your sleeve kind of stuff from the defense and even not just the defensive players, the defensive play overall. So like even people like Havertz getting back and you know sticking a foot in, retrieving the ball in midfield. And of course, man of the match, N'Golo Kante, he was everywhere he could be and just making a nuisance of himself. Really just every time City tried to pass it around, make something happen, we had one or two men on them to stop that happening. And that's where Tuchel deserves the credit. He really set the team up to disrupt City uh, last night. He really wanted to just not let them play their football, let us break it up and maybe we can counter. And that's exactly what happened.
2: Um, Adam, obviously looking at City, the big story before the game, as it always is with the European game, is, is Pep going to overthink it? And I think that's a bit of an old, tired line and it doesn't really work anymore, particularly this season. And I don't think that was the case with the final. I don't think this was a tactical overthink of playing players in the wrong positions or or trying maybe a bit too hard to, to get the better of Tuchel. But... Ultimately, whilst there wasn't that many major surprises in his lineup, Fernandinho swap for Raheem Sterling was the only change from the PSG second leg. Whatever game plan, whatever way he wanted to approach this, he just couldn't impose it. Was that a, an issue from from Pep trying to maybe look to be a little bit more front foot forward with with no Fernandinho at the back of the midfield, or was it just the players in, within the ninety minutes not being able to carry it out? I think it's
1: probably a combination of both. Um, I don't think anyone saw Sterling start in that game, which is probably why he did it, because he was probably thinking, yes, Tuchel hasn't played this City team, the team that started the Dortmund and the PSG games, but he probably knows what's coming, so let's make a a little switch. And it didn't work. Um, I thought Sterling was really good, weirdly. and by, by weirdly, I mean he wasn't the fault for for the issues that came in the game. He wasn't at fault for the midfield just not being able to hold it up. He was quite good um, and he set up a couple of chances and they, they were the only chances really that we had all game. I think the issue with not playing a holding midfielder was we were just getting overrun. As Jay said, Kante was everywhere and we knew that was coming. But we didn't create much and... I just, I think if we could do it again, and I think you could you could say to Pep as well, if you could do it again, would you pick the same team? I don't think you would. Um, I think we should have gone with the formula that's worked so well, and even in those PSG and Dortmund games, it was cagey, but we found a way because we weren't letting the other team in. Chelsea could have been two three nil up half time. Uh, wouldn't Wouldn't have been an exaggeration. Werner had two, just. Clear-cut chances and didn't put them away. It, I think, last night could have been quite messy, um, which is a, a shame. Really, it's just a, a sad way to end what has been just such a dominant Champions League campaign. We, we what, didn't win one of the games, won all the rest. We we battered teams and we battered PSG and then a bit of stage fright. I think last night was was probably the way to put it.
2: And obviously, we talked about Sterling, Fernandinho, that being the, the only call that he made from the second leg against PSG, and I'm Woe to really rail in on Pep because I don't think this was, as we say, we've seen in other years where he's changed things around tactically, personnel-wise. This was only one change, but it was an important change. We know that Chelsea liked that space in behind the opposition midfield. Havertz likes to drop deep, get on the ball and then run at the centre-backs. Mason Mount, obviously, wants to get the ball to feet in there so he can start moving. And without Fernandinho in there, there's not someone naturally to just police that area in front of Diaz and Stone. And when you've got Kante setting the tempo from the other side of the Chelsea midfield, that created a problem. So not picking Fernandinho on paper before the game, lots of stuff I was reading on Twitter praise for Pep for being front foot forward and and maybe not giving Chelsea too much respect. But ultimately leaving out the most experienced player in the team, the captain, does he have to carry the can for that? Because that was probably decisive, particularly when you look at where Chelsea's goal came from.
1: Yes, probably, because I think it's a funny one, because you can blame the players, but they didn't do too much wrong. In the first half, there were a few nervy mistakes, um, there were some weird passes going on. I, th- I thought De Bruyne was, was pretty poor, you know, and that that's a, a weird thing to say, that he just couldn't find the pass most of the time last night. There was a, a good ball through to Sterling in the first half, but... Kante had just seen him out of it and it just felt like we were missing something. And I don't know what that something was. Um it was probably a, a midfielder. Uh but like I say, I think if Pep could do it again, as stubborn as he is, I don't think he'd I don't think he'd start with that shape. Because I think the thing that, that will will hurt for City fans today is it was so good against Dortmund in the second leg. Like it was so good for two games against PSG. Minus the first half an hour in the first leg. And then he changed it when it came to the final. And it it didn't feel like there needed to be a change and I think I think that's what'll will, will stick with people is it, it just didn't feel like there was any need to do it. And yeah, we paid the price for it.
2: Is there a case for when you look at, as you say, the performance and, and how everything just seemed a little bit flat and De Bruyne, who was so used to seeing him getting that ball in, in the little pocket of space and whipping a cross in or, or creating a chance. If this was a league game, you just file it under bad day at the office. We don't really know what the problem was. No need to kind of throw out the the tactics board, but you don't get second chances on the biggest stage in the biggest game in um club football across the world which is which is what the champions league is and that's how this seems and and guardiola was quite candid in his post-match he just said yes it was a bad night you know we'll come back stronger etc etc and that is the feel of it that there doesn't seem to be a need to tear everything up but ultimately on the biggest stage city just came up short and De Bruyne that you've touched on there obviously he went off injured I think with about half an hour to go with what looked like a nasty head face injury and I was watching the game and I said to Jay before we started recording as soon as he went off I thought that's it for City because Mm. they didn't seem as if they could inject anything into the game and when the key man is not on the pitch that was definitely the case and even bringing on Jesus and Aguero who everyone was kind of holding out to see could he get that goal they didn't get a sniff Jesus had one chance Aguero didn't even have a shot
1: Yeah, it it did feel... It was almost feeling inevitable from about the 70th minute last night. Yes, Aguero came on, but I wasn't holding out any hope because I think think the struggle for City last night was we were pinning all of our hopes on one of the players scoring a big goal rather than the team creating chances. It felt like we needed someone to score from 30 yards, which isn't a position you want to be in 1-0 down. Excuse me. And I think... The other thing is, against Chelsea, and he put that team out to score first. Pep put that team out to score, because then he knew he had Fernandinho and Rodri up his sleeve. And he can deploy them, and he can bring Jesus on for legs. But it it just went the wrong way. And as soon as we conceded, and Jay will agree with this, you don't want to concede first against this Chelsea team, because they are gritty and stubborn and very hard to break down. And if, if we'd have scored first, I would have had all the confidence in the world. But try to come back against that was, was going to be a tough ask. And then you lose De Bruyne at the key part of the game through a very frustrating injury. He must have been heartbroken because it's not like it's a muscle injury or a, a knock on the leg, it's a face injury, and you, you can't do anything about it. So it was just, I don't. I think we could have played for another hour last night and I still don't think we would have scored.
2: Yeah, it, did, it definitely did seem that sense of it just was banging on the door that that wouldn't open. Um, but as we said at the start, for every positive, there's a negative, and every negative, there's a positive. So, Jay, let's talk Chelsea. Um, N'Golo Kante, man of the match. Incredible record for him in this season's Champions League. Man of the match against Real Madrid in the semi-final as well across both legs. Super, super impressive. I think he was man of the match in both legs against Atletico Madrid. I think Mason Mount got one, and, and he got one in the second leg. But... Everybody knows his journey from the second division in France through to winning the title with Leicester and now obviously picking up the biggest prize with with Chelsea in the Champions League. But given the role that he had last night, it was absolutely written in the stars. We talked about Aguero and maybe him getting a goal off the bench. It was actually more likely that it was going to be Kante's night because this type of game is absolutely made for him.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It was we used him exactly how we needed to. And listen, Ngolo is an absolute gem of a footballer. Not only is he, is he a masterful footballer, he just seems like the world's nicest guy. But it's no secret that Chelsea over the past couple of years since Kanté's come in, if he's playing well, we are like that it's as simple as that. Sometimes, you know, you go through these periods where Chelsea aren't picking up wins. You'll probably look at those team sheets and Kante's not on him because he's injured or whatever. So it literally he correlates to us winning games because he that midfield we saw it against Real Madrid. He handled the one of the greatest midfield threes ever, and and he did it with ease. So yeah, when when he's fit and firing, you you have more confidence going into the game. And then last night. Tuchel knew that he needed to play alongside Jorginho as well I'll give Jorginho a credit cuz those two just sorted out the midfield completely and um they had a lot to deal with really in when you know when the lineup come out there was a lot to deal with attacking wise Pep put on so many attackers and personally I think he has um overthought that slightly when he, by doing that but they just dealt with everyone in front of them. So if, if it weren't going through Kante, it was going through the rest of them. But no, absolutely brilliant performance from him. I'm really happy. And I just, I hope we keep him forever. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously on the back of a big final and, and when he gets man of the match, talk
2: turns to where his place is within the Chelsea greats and... We look back obviously to the 2012 final and obviously losing against United a few years beforehand and the two big names that always come to mind are John Terry and Frank Lampard as as club icons. You throw Didier Drogba in there as well, Petr Cech too, but N'Golo Kante now has has won the Champions League with Chelsea, he's won the Premier League, he's won the FA Cup, he's won the Europa League um, on the back of that incredible season where he won the league with Leicester. He is obviously hugely popular with the Chelsea fans. I, I think almost with every football fan, I've, I don't hear anybody having a, a bad word to say about him. But when we look at those players, the Terrys, the Lampards, the Drogbers, no, he doesn't have as many medals as them. But in what's arguably not as good a team as, as Jose Mourinho's team, with those two as the cornerstone of it, where does he come in, that list, when we look about Chelsea absolute legends in, in the Premier League areas? Is Kante up
0: there, is he close? he's he's absolutely up there now and, and and you might have put him up there before this this Champions League win and then this just kind of puts you know the full stop after that i think when he leaves chelsea he will be one of those great icons top 5 players maybe just the way when he's playing good like i said when he's playing good the whole team is plays good and, and it most likely results in a win so yeah i think we'll look back at our time with ngolo kanté and just remember how amazing he was so absolutely yeah, he's one of the Chelsea greats now uh, someone else
2: who marked a massive night was Cesar Azpilicueta finally got his hands on the trophy as as club captain and again he, he falls into that bracket of he's been at Chelsea for a long time joined in 2012 from Marseille and for me as a neutral I've always quite liked him because he's very gritty very hard working tactically disciplined Tuchel's come in and he might be in theory earmarked for maybe an exit he's the wrong side of 30 but he's reborn, he's refreshed in the last six months. And that hunger that he had, we saw it in his post-match interview with with Kai Havertz, where he jumped in and kind of claimed that he was the best player in the world. But this is just reward for him as well. For such a loyal servant to Chelsea Football Club, he's been ever-present. Just looking through his numbers here, he's never dropped below 30 games in a, in a Premier League season prior to this year you need players like Cesar Azpilicueta in a team like this as much as you need a Kante to, to get the team motivated and you need a, a Havertz to provide that ice cold moment and As Piliqueta as a leader and as an organiser is, is just as valuable
0: yeah absolutely and he, he deserves it man He's he's been such a good servant for Chelsea he's been so good and and at the start of the season things that weren't looking too great for him but Tuchel Tuchel was probably the perfect manager for Dave like he he, the way Tuchel wants to play and the way Asbury can play it, it was like a perfect match for them and um, and he deserves it so much and and last night his performance was up there in in it was so good it's one of his best performances like there was moments where you know nervy no, no edge of your seats moment where City are just about to break into the box and then he's sliding in getting the block in doing anything he can to get. That ball away from the goal, so he he absolutely deserves it. I think you know, captain. Now he's won he's won everything with us. Um, he's gonna he's gonna be up there with the greats. And I think this whole team, you know, this whole team, this writes their name into history, doesn't it? They um, they've just the the class of 2012. You know, the second they lifted that trophy, they were written, written their names into the history books. And the boys last night, they did the same. And Asby was the captain. Seeing him lift that trophy was just. Just such a special moment for for Chelsea fans. So I'm really happy with with Dave. And you know what? Now under Tuchel, I can see him staying for another year or so because you know he's played so well under him and the system that we play with that free at the back and him being the right of that uh, it just works perfect for him. And and yeah, and also of course the the captain element. So you know Chelsea have struggled this season sometimes with with leadership and and that sort of thing, but when he steps up he organises and also Thiago Silva next to him I think he's learnt a little bit off Thiago Silva Um, and those two just command the back line and they command the whole team perfectly and he's just I'm really happy for him Big Dave
2: Yeah, great stuff. Um, I think we're going to call it there for part one. That's a wrap. Give Adam a little bit of a break and we'll talk about (laughs) something a bit more positive when it comes to Manchester City after the break because Chelsea are Champions League winners. But in part two, we are moving on to 2021-2022. We're going to be looking at City and Chelsea's plans for next season, where they're going to improve and what Pep and Thomas will do in the coming months. We'll catch you in just a second. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Champions League final review podcast. We've gone through the final itself and we know Chelsea are now crowned as European champions. Adam, I'm going to do my best to make sure that that is the last time I say this sentence on the podcast, but I'm not making any promises. However, we are now going to focus on next season, 2021-2022, Man City defending their Premier League crown. And Adam, obviously last night is tough to take. Aguero's um, departure was the big story from the final day of the Premier League season and and now it's going to be the big story in the next few days. We know he's not signing the contract and that he's played his last game in Manchester City light blue. So in terms of City next season, obviously, as I say, looking to defend that title, we know Liverpool are going to come back strong. We know that Chelsea now are set to be a huge rival for City, not just in the next 12 months, but, but moving forward into the future. What is the game plan from Pep this summer? Replacing Aguero is arguably objective number one but he does need to be careful that he doesn't completely tear it up on the back of this game. I don't think he will but ultimately there does need to be a plan to replace Aguero and make sure that where City have fallen short this season they don't make that mistake next season.
1: I don't know if anyone's seen the interview with Rio Ferdinand but Pep said that he's going to have to move and shake it up and when you win you've, you've got to change things up and I think that's probably what we're going to see this summer we know Aguero's gone and that that saga and um, that whole thing is, is done, he's, he's off to Barcelona which will be a lovely swan song for him over there but he, it's it's a weird one in replacing Aguero because he's not played this season he's, he's been injured for the majority of the season he's, he's come in, played the odd game we're going to be bringing somebody in who it's going to be very fresh and it's going to be different and I think that's what a team who've won the league will need. We've seen it in the past, if you if you stand still after you win, you, you'll just go backwards. So, I think there'll be changes, some signings will come in and they're going to have to refresh and it's going to be tough for them to get over last night and they're going to have to find answers to the questions that came up last night and they will and i'm actually glad that the euros is coming because the players can go away play for the countries maybe win something and come back and it'll be fresher if there was no competition this summer they just have to slog through the summer and their heads would be down and you start worrying but uh, i think it'll be a, a big summer whether it be a big spending summer i'm not sure but there'll be there'll be more outs as well i think i think some players will go um but I think some players will come in and that could be quite good fun.
2: And obviously in terms of speculation, Aguero, as we said, is, is the arguable one that's going to have to be replaced, but as you mentioned, he hasn't played a massive amount in the last 12 months, so maybe that's not the absolute priority, although you, you look at that position and you think that Pep needs cover, but Erling Haaland has obviously been linked, Harry Kane has been linked, Lionel Messi has been linked if he doesn't sign a contract extension at Barcelona, and given the fact that there are options out there, we know that Pep will have money to spend in, in the next couple of months, who would you like to see and who who do you think will come in to the club this summer as you say rightly if you stand still you go backwards there's no danger of Pep doing that who do you think could be the big name coming through the door at the Etihad
1: I think and Jay might disagree I think it'll be Kane um, I think it's a very obvious signing which sounds weird and sounds very like almost entitled but it just seems very obvious Haaland won't happen um there's too there's too much involved with that and you can say what you like about city spending money and spending a lot of it but we never get drawn into mad transfer sagas it just doesn't happen they won't get dragged into a fight between clubs and agents and everyone else in between it just won't happen um kane will be a negotiation over price rather than anything else he's not going to cost the same in wages as Haaland would want it's not Got all the horrible hangings on that will go on with the Haaland uh, transfer wherever he does end up. So I think Kane ticks a lot of boxes. You've seen this season, his assists will be what stands out for Pep. Yes, the goals are there, and if he comes into this team, he scores a lot of goals. But it's what he's changed into this year where his hold up plays better. He's he seems more intelligent. I think the thing with Kane is he just needs to get out of, of Spurs. Yeah. He needs out because yeah. he can stay there and he'll become he'll score more goals than Shearer. Great, but he's going to win nothing. So just like he Shearer, can get really? out. I, well, and, and Shearer did did win one. Oh, sorry, so yeah. I mean,
2: at Newcastle, I mean, yeah.
1: You yeah, but you're right. He he could have won ten Premier League titles and won one. And I think my worry with Kane last year, I, I think Kane should have left two summers ago and my worry was does he have the ambition to go on? But it seems like he has now and he's thinking, right, yeah, I can score goals and I can win the goal I can win the golden boot, but I'm gonna win nothing in in terms of proper trophies. So I think it'll be Kane. I think there will also be another sign in this summer that'll potentially be Grealish but we'll we'll get onto that I imagine in a few weeks. Um, Kane is is the one for me. There's there's arguments over his fitness and his injury record, but it if there's a a striker of Kane's ilk that's available, you go and sign him. You, there's there's no excuses for me.
2: Um, and before we get on to Chelsea, you touched on exits there. Aguero we know is gone. Fernandinho mm. we expect he's going to sign a contract extension, but it's not been confirmed. Pep will be looking around that dressing room last night and whilst obviously he's very calm and collected in the way that he approaches these things in the immediate aftermath in his own mind he he will be potentially asking questions over certain players their hunger, their quality to, to make sure that City get the biggest prizes in football and inevitably as you said there will be one or two exits this summer do you see anybody big leaving do you see him turning around to a major player and saying I think we've kind of gone as far as we can with you and your time at City is up
1: I don't think so. I I don't think and it's it's such a weird feeling after losing a final. I don't think any of the players were particularly bad last night. Um I don't think you'll look at anyone and think no it doesn't work. I I do think there might be a couple of almost surprise exits. My my money if if you wanted to follow it would probably be on Laporte leaving which would be a big departure, but you look at Real Madrid for example and they're potentially going to be without Ramos and Varane come August and there's a spot there for a a big centre half to come in Laporte, now Spanish ticks that box and he's not getting in the City team at the minute, it's great to have him in rotation because if you're without a Diaz or Stones he comes in and does very well he's been great at City but he does not like not playing and some players can fight their way back in I don't know if he's got that um I, I think if if there's if there's anyone it could be him which would be a shame but like like I say if there's if there's a move to madrid and you can become their number one centre half it it just seems like that might be the case but like what you've said there about players last night i don't think i don't think anyone in that team would leave um i don't think he'd he'd want any of them to leave there was silly paper talk yesterday about Sterling going but that won't be the case, he'll sign a, a long term contract Mares maybe if PSG came in for him, might want that last big move of his career but I, I'd hope not and yeah, I, I can't see that team breaking up really
2: uh, looking at Chelsea, Jay, obviously on the back of last night, you'd, you'd argue and say, why would we get rid of any of these players? Why would we bring anybody in? We're, we're European champions. But the same brings true with Chelsea as it does for City about standing still means that you end up going backwards. And in an odd way, and, and I don't mean this the way it comes out, Tuchel does have a job on his hands to make sure that next season is not a cup season. I, and I mean that in, in, in the way that the Champions League is a cup competition in terms of uh, the amount of games that you play, and the way that it's structured and the way that teams are able to set up to to get glory in it across a 38 game premier league season he's now got a test that we've not seen him through he's only come in halfway through the current campaign and a little bit of a slice of luck on the last day meant that a top four finish was was signed off so there's a new set of challenges that are coming down the tracks for him in the next few months and Chelsea are rumoured to be in the Kane race as well maybe not as strongly as City there's talk of a couple of other options across Europe who do you see potentially coming in to, to Chelsea this summer
0: yeah well that's the thing, uh, you say you can't stand still, Chelsea have, have done that before and you know it's hindered us before so we need to see that now, we need to trust Tuchel and, and get what he thinks in on the Kane thing, I personally think he's going to City Um. He, he wants guaranteed, you know, winners' medals. He needs trophies at, the, at his career now. City, more than any team, even though we, we've just beat them, more than any team, they're the ones that can guarantee that. Um, and if they do get Kane, that's a very scary <laughs> prospect going forward for every other club in the Prem. Um, as for Chelsea, uh, yeah, we need to get a goal scorer in, don't we? Um as much as last night, you know, the play, all the front three players played well, Havertz got his goal, Timo probably should have scored one, maybe two. Um, we're just not clinical. It's been our problem for a very long time now. Uh, Chelsea seem to do this thing where they they get whatever, every world-class striker we get in, we need to get like four not-so-great ones. Yeah. Um, so we need to get a clinical goal scorer in I think of course Kane's been linked I don't think that's happening for Chelsea as I said I think he's going to City I think Levy wouldn't want to deal with Chelsea anyway you know you throw your minds back to the Modric situation like Modric wanted to come to Chelsea but Levy didn't have it and, and waited a year and then sold him to Madrid so I just don't think he'll sell Kane to us uh, other people out there Haaland um, I just don't think we want the nonsense that comes with him he's agent no one wants to deal with him uh, so for me, there's only one option, and it's and it's Lukaku. I think you know, Conte's left into Milan now, so I think you know Lukaku might have wanted to stay there if Conte stayed, but because he hasn't, I think he might be looking elsewhere now. And and he's he's not kept it a secret that he likes Chelsea. He used to play for Chelsea, and he he supports us and that. And I think after the season he's had, and you know what, after the seasons he's had everywhere, I think you know people look back to the United days and don't you know and don't remember them finally but if you look back to the Everton the West Brom now the Inter Milan he's a goal scorer he's clinical um and for me he needs to be our number one target going forward um and also he he wouldn't cost as much as a Kane or a Haaland but would still add to that team and then that would mean our front you know our attacking options then are just incredible um you know you could have havertz Werner play alongside Lukaku you know you can have it fluid Mason Mount in there as well so so that he's one of the main targets uh, going forward and then other than that I think we need a centre back because although Asby's been brilliant and you know he's last night he was just there he hasn't got too many days left in him. And also it's the same with Thiago Silva. I think he's only got the last, this next season in him. Um, and, and that's if he gets through it without being injured. So um, we need to get maybe another centre back in. I I mean, I I'm, we have one currently playing for AC Milan in Tomorrow, who I think we should have, you know, should not have let go but they'll probably release that clause so I don't know who that should be centre-back wise because I feel like there's not that many world-class centre-backs out there at the moment and if they're the ones that are are pretty set at their clubs or set to go to different clubs Um, so I think that's another area we need to strengthen him for sure
2: and in terms of exits obviously you touched on there if if Lukaku comes in Kane, Haaland are probably a bit less likely that'll again put the microscope back on Timo Werner we know that he's not had the best first season in English football, six Premier League goals in the last 12 months. But if a Lukaku or someone like that comes in, inevitably there's going to be pressure on him. But also Tammy Abraham, and he's a little bit of a forgotten man. You look back to 1920, 15 Premier League goals in 34 games. is a very, very good return for what's an unproven striker at Premier League level in his, in his first top flight season. Six this season, which is close to Werner and he's and he's barely played ultimately if someone comes in and Tuchel continues to play this system of three attackers and you talk about how it can be fluid and things can be changed round, ultimately one or two people are going to be on the bench. Do you think Abraham could be on his way out? Do you think Werner could potentially be on his way out if certain players
0: come in? Uh, Unfortunately, yeah, I think Tammy's on his way out. I I love Tammy Abraham and, you know, it was nice last night for him to, you know, look for the Champions League, be with the boys and, you know, all the academy boys got their moment. I love Tammy Abraham. I think he could have developed into the play we needed quite easily, but it's just a shame that, you know, Tuchel Tuchel doesn't see that and it's one of them, isn't it? Tuchel is a very smart man, so there's maybe something he sees that we aren't seeing, but I love Tammy Abraham. I think, you know, he could have done well. And I do think he will be on his way out. You know, he wants first-team football. He deserves first-team football. And I think he will go. He'll probably go to a team like maybe back to Aston Villa, maybe to West Ham. And he'll do really well there in the Prem. He'll get some goals. He'll probably score against us knowing Chelsea. Um, and then as for as for Timo Vernon, I think I think he stays. Listen, Timo is had a horrible season and he'll be the first to admit that. And I think, you know, in the past you've seen... Strikers come to Chelsea, not do too good, and be, you know, villainized quite quickly. You see, Morata, Torres, and up until the, the Champions League goal, of course. But Timo, it's different. People are still singing his name. People still love him, and it's because what else he offers to the to the team. You know, the running, the the space that he creates. The you know, he's got some assists himself. So I think he stays, and I think he'll have next season to really prove himself. It's his second season in the Premier He's had the year now to adapt. What can you do next season? And if, say, if we did get Lukaku in, imagine if, like, Werner and Lukaku could play up front together. That could become a nice partnership. Um, So so I think Werner stays. I think Tammy goes. I think probably Giroud goes as well um, if we get another striker in because we'll just be, you know have too many players in one position then which again would be another shame because Giroud has been another just absolute servant to the club you know when he's need, when we've needed him he's come through and, and scored the, the big goals um, for us so he'll be greatly missed but again he's probably getting to the end of his career now so he, we need to move him on um, yeah and other than that I think um, I think there's like people like Emerson that might need to go now um Also, we've got, you know, it's Chelsea, so we have a stupid amount of players out on loan that will be back in the summer. So, like people like Ross Barkley, Bakioko's still on the books, these kind of players. We'll have to wait and see what happens with them if they're going to get moved on or if they're going to just get loaned out again. But we'll have to see on that one.
2: Brilliant stuff. A little bit of positivity to end on. Chelsea are European champions, but Manchester City are about to sign Virgo, the Premier you, League's you top goal You said you wouldn't scorer. say
0: it again, <laughs>
2: but, but I'm, I'm caveating it by saying Manchester City are going to sign the Premier League's top goal yeah. scorer. Yeah, yeah. And okay. you can rest, that. Adam. You can rest easy with that. You can rest your hungover head easy with that. Mm. Uh, before we wrap up, dead quick. Um, obviously, the European Championships is 12 days away from today going to get your quick tips for it Jay we'll let you up first obviously Chelsea's players are going to go away the majority of them will be playing in the European Championship same as City who's your tip for glory this summer
0: I'm going to be biased but listen Mason Mount just lifted the UCL he's going to lift the Euros as well it's coming home England are winning it (laughs) we're going to beat France in the final I've already done the predictor we're going to beat France in the final
2: I had absolutely no doubt God. that you were going to go for England. Um, Adam, I think you're <laughs> going to be on my team for this and go for someone a little bit more left field. Uh, Jay's going for England. Are you backing Gareth Southgate or are you um, going with, uh, with someone else?
1: Um, I'd probably be more confident for the England team if, if I thought Southgate would play the players that we'd want him to play, but <laughs> he probably won't. Hmm. Um, I think your outside shout is Portugal. If you want some some long odds, I think they're eleven to one to win it. And um, if you look at some of their players, they they should not be eleven to one. They're a better side than the side that won it last time. So my outside shout's Portugal. But um, it'd be nice if England could just just get us to at least the semis, just to make a fun summer again. Because summer in 2018 was unbelievable. So. That would be lovely, but uh, I'm going to go Portugal. Why not?
2: Okay, Gareth, if you're listening, Adam needs cheering up, trying to do business (laughs) this summer. Jay, Adam, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thank you. Thank you
2: great stuff and don't forget the guys are here for the next few weeks on a reduced schedule but we're gearing back up to the full five days for the european championships and don't forget if you're a new fan of the podcast or you're a regular listener you can get a brand new episode whenever it's ready just click subscribe and it'll be right with you across all podcast channels wherever you get your podcast Castbox, itunes apple podcast wherever you get your podcast from we will be right there thanks so much for listening and we'll see you again very very soon